This week on the In-Depth Podcast, we travel across the world to Mumbai, India for some quality time with a cricket legend. Sachin Tendulkar is considered one of the greatest players of all time, and you'll not find a country in the world that loves an athlete more than India does Sachin. The Bombay native was generous enough to give us a rare invite into his home for our sit-down interview. There was only plan A in my life to play cricket for India, and everything else was playing a supporting role. Reaching a level of reverence that's simply unheard of in the United States, the former national team captain reflects on achieving massive fame at an early age. My father clearly told me that what you are doing at the age of 16, not many children in the world do that. The pivotal moments in his illustrious career. From Indian cricket team, uh, we wanted to dedicate that to the, the innocent people who lost lives. And reveals an unusual marriage story. She said, I think uh, he should get engaged. What do you say? I said, yes, I'm ready. But for that, you will have to speak to both the families. Before we get into the interview, I wanted to set the scene of what it was like spending time with Sachin in India. He's known as the god of cricket, and we quickly saw why. It seemed very much Beatles mania-esque as we visited countryside villages with Sachin. And at one point, at the end of the day, we even bolted to our cars as the crowds were closing in on us. And I have never more appreciated having security than that shoot right there. If you get a chance, check out video from that on youtube.com slash Graham Bensinger. Hope you enjoy our interview with Sachin. You were telling me the other day at lunch about when you got uh, COVID yourself, uh, March of uh, 21. Yes. <laughs> what, what was your initial reaction when you found out? We had uh, played a cricket tournament. I came back home and I told my wife that my body is stiff. You know, I, I need proper break. After three days, I continued having that feeling. So I told my wife that, you know, by now it should have, you know, lessened a bit. It doesn't seem to have settled down. Uh, and one morning I woke up with a little bit of uh, uh, stiff neck. And I know when, when this area is hurting, that means I'm falling sick. So I know myself well. Right. So we got tested. And during, during that period, I said, I'm going to go and isolate myself. I'm not going to stay with you guys. I'm going to move on to a different room. And you'd, I don't have to see you guys at all. Right. We'll wait for the reports to come. And when the reports were positive, I continued staying there for a week. Uh, I was uh, under medication. And somehow things did not settle. I was not getting better. So eventually, the doctor said, you know, we need to do a scan on you and we will see what is happening. Uh, so, so they uh, did a scan and they found out that there was uh, infection. And the next thing I heard from them was, you're not going back home. We are admitting you in the hospital. I haven't come prepared for that. Uh, Were you scared at any point? No, I wasn't scared. Okay. Uh, you know, for, we've got some good doctors and, right. and you know, they looked after me really well. So I would again like to not just thank those doctors, but all the uh, all the doctor, doctors across the globe, uh, paramedical staff, you know, everyone. You know, they've really worked hard. What would you say was the hardest period for India um, during this whole pandemic? Uh, 
nobody expected something like this will hit us and uh, the hardest thing was uh, you know the freedom that we have to move around to do things i mean even if uh, if i wanted to go and have a cup of tea as simple as that with someone to a restaurant or whatever you know like the other day we went to shivaji park we could have a cup of tea there imagine if you can't do that right. simple thing i'm not uh, asking about fancy things so those kind of things were taken away from everyone for the betterment of our country to help each other uh, and and there were certain measures which were taken in the interest of our nation so uh, i felt uh, bad about you know children not being able to play because if if i was a 10 year old and i was asked to stay at home it would have been tough i think that is where the the parents family members everyone plays a big role in making them understand why are these things happening and 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 uh, if we all are committed to this then we'll overcome this challenge much faster i was telling you this last night on the plane but uh, super grateful to tag along during your philanthropic efforts it was amazing to have the opportunity to get insight was there one moment that stood out most to you the development of that school residential school was something uh, which touched my heart so we are working with the uh, parivar foundation in constructing a residential school for 2300 children they'll actually be hand holding those students from the age of 3 to 16 Wow. and guide them give direction to their life which which was uh, rather satisfying to know and once we got involved in that project you know uh, my father was a professor and uh, if if he was alive today he would have been a proud man because uh, you know when i shared this news day before yesterday with my mother in the night and her expression said it all she didn't say anything and she just looked at me and the smile that she gave me you know is priceless and uh, it, i told it touches her, you yeah absolutely i mean there is no greater satisfaction than that you know when when you know that uh, you've made your parents proud and this is what even my father would have wanted my mother was was extremely happy to know that uh, it makes your life complete you know that's what you live for what made you decide to start the foundation in the first place some time ago my wife uh, dr anjali tendulkar and that also helps because she herself uh, is a doctor so uh, she kind of pushed this and and uh, we started discussing this seriously that okay i mean in individual capacity we are doing certain things but how can we take it to a scale where the whole country and beyond get involved in this and it's not just about india it's it's for uh all the people across the globe who who deserve uh, a fair opportunity in life we decided that we are going to work with the children of india because they are the future we are we are the youngest average age population and that is going to stay for a while so our population is our strength and young population if you channelize their energies then it's going to produce good results and that is what we are looking to do what would you say your long term goals are with the foundation the the dream is to spread our wings and go to various parts uh, where there is a desperate need 
and uh, where we can shape careers. I mean, it's going to take longer than 24 years of, of my career that I played cricket. It, it's going to be a much, much lengthier and uh, more, uh, uh, I would say, committed process where, you know, in cricket, the commitment that I showed, I would want to match that here as well. You know, everything that I could do on the field could be measured because uh, there were numbers in front of us. Here, of course, there will be numbers, but uh, something that cannot be measured is satisfaction that you get. That only oneself would uh, realize. And like I had the feeling last night when I went to bed, if I can have that feeling for the rest of my life, then I know that I'm on a good track. When you were a kid and then became a, a teenager, how much time would you spend playing and practicing? When I started playing serious cricket, I would start my session around about 7.30 and then at 9.30 when, when the match started, I had to play a practice match. It would go on till almost 4.30 or so. And uh, there were a number of occasions when I used to bunk practice and uh, just to spend time with my friends. And my coach, he would come on a scooter from Shivaji Park to Bandra, pick me up, said, okay, you're not wasting your time here, get your kid back, get changed into whites, let's go and practice. I did not get a chance to be like a, a normal 12-year-old, 13-year-old kid. And at the end of the day, my coach would tell me, okay, I'm gonna give you 12 minutes to survive. You cannot get out. There were almost, uh, two, three hundred fielders around, you know, so because anyone could catch. It helped me when I went to, uh, when I went to proper stadium where only nine fielders were there on the field and I could not see anything else. It became much, much easier to find gaps. How did seeing yourself in the newspaper at age 12 impact your interest in cricket becoming your profession? I always call it my passion, my life, you know, uh, Number of uh, number of guys uh, spoke to me about it and uh, and asked me that uh, how how did you manage all this and I and I felt you know I was in a different zone my my own world you know, I had created that world for myself where uh, I was so engrossed in that that the outside world did not disturb me I started cricket my brother Ajit was the reason for that. The knowledgeable guy who had first-hand experience of going out on the field and playing those number of matches was Ajit. And with him, the understanding was, we think about the next game while the rest of the world is talking about the last game. And when India won the 1983 World Cup, that had a big impact on your interest too, as well, right? Yeah, because I saw that happening on television and I felt that, yes, one day, even I want to hold the trophy. I want to do the same thing for India. So at the age of 10, you're not matured enough to understand what it takes to get there. And that I only realized in the following years when I started playing serious cricket. I would ask my brother, so what next? So we kept climb, climbing up that ladder till the time I got to the national squad. And it was only a few years later, I think by 16, that people started asking for your autograph uh, and, and you became famous to the point of it being a challenge to go out. I think you're in you know, 12th grade taking yep. an exam. Cops are outside the exam room guarding it for you. 
What was it like having fame at that young of an age? I still remember after my first tour, and I got up with my friends and we went out for a burger. And at that time, a couple of guys came and they asked for my autograph. So I felt happy, but I didn't know where life was going to take me. But when I got my first 100 in England, then I came back and then went to Australia, uh, got runs there in South Africa. After that, everything started changing. 1993 was the first time I played a proper full series in India. Till then I kept playing abroad. So, so people hadn't seen me play live and that was kind of a turning point in my career. There are so many stories of people that gain that fame early on in life and struggle immensely with it. Was not the case with you. How do you think fame impacted your development? That wasn't the case with me because of my family. I had the right people, the right team around me to maintain that balance between success and failure. Because it's so easy to be on top of the world one day and then the next day you feel drowned in sorrow. You know, there was that stability in life. So whether I did well or I didn't perform that well, uh, when I got back home, I was the normal Sachin. When I had attended my first summer camp, my coach, Ramakant Achrekar, uh, so sir called him, uh, my father, and told him that, uh, you know, Sachin, I see that spark in him. Uh, would he be interested in pursuing this as his career? Which was a massive decision for my father because where I lived, the whole colony is with, filled with scholars you know, poets and uh, writers and professors. So for them, uh, Sachin is going to play cricket. He's going to be a professional cricketer. What else is he going to do in life? Was the question which my father faced on a regular basis. Especially because back then it had no financial upside either. Absolutely, right. absolutely. And that in those days, even the mindset was different. Today, we, we know there are so many leagues being played across the globe and in India. But nothing like that existed in 1989. Of course, everyone was happy that I was already at the age of 16, I was playing for India. And my father clearly told me that what you are doing at the age of 16, not many children in the world do that. So my father said, gift so this is a God's gift. Which is hold this with both your hands. Don't, that means don't take things for granted. That would be my message to anyone and everyone. It need not be just cricket. Any field that you are in, don't take things for granted. If you are gifted with something special, hold it with both your hands and value what you've got and work on it. I, I want to read a, a quote to you from a, a, a columnist, but he said, referring to you, he was India's first modern sports star, a combination of Babe Ruth, Muhammad Ali, and Michael Jordan. He forever changed sports celebrity and marketing in India. What do you think is responsible for your success? I think self-belief. Uh, I always believed that I, I would play for India. The question was when. There was no plan B in my life. There was just one plan 
playing for India. When Achrika sir spotted that spark in me, he made me practice with, I was 12, 13 and I was practicing with people who were like 28, 30 year olds and they were allowed to go full steam. And he would tell me that, okay, if you have to play international cricket, you have to learn to deal with this. You may get hit, it's fine. It's equally important to know how to get hit and how to bounce back. Till the age of 15 or so, I was not allowed to wear a helmet. Why? He said, you have to continue watching the ball. If you watch the ball, you'll dodge it. You'll find a way to defend yourself. Sometimes I used to throw a season ball up on the ceiling, literally, and take it on my body, so that I get used to that pain. Nothing stopped us from playing, unless I was not able to hold a bat at all, or I was not able to run at all. But I would suggest, you know, all the, all the kids, please wear a helmet. What would you say you most learned from your dad? Ooh. Uh, I think humility, uh, inclusiveness. We lived on the fourth floor and there were no lifts, no elevators. So the postman had to walk four floors, climb four floors, and hand deliver those letters. And my father would actually invite them inside the house, make them sit, put the fan on, uh, offer them a glass of water, or sometimes even a cup of tea. And only when you grow up, you mature, you start understanding such a wonderful thing to do. I wanted to do the same thing in my life and the same thing has to continue with my children and I'm so happy that their nature is also about giving, sharing. We lived in a two-bedroom apartment, so we were uh, six of us. My two brothers, sister, parents and me. So my father's friend who was to move to our colony but the building wasn't ready and uh, his friend was struggling for a place and there were six of them. So my father actually offered his friend with his family to come and stay at our place and he gave them one bedroom out of what we had. Whatever you have from that, even if it's not enough, he was still prepared to share. And that's why I keep saying that if, if I could be 50% of him, I know I would be on the right track. You said his sense of reason was his biggest virtue. Explain that if you don't mind. I was extremely naughty. So there would constantly be complaints come. But my father and my mother never never shouted at me. He would rather explain to me, you know, and if, if I did not understand, possibly I didn't understand because there was a complaint every evening <laughs> when I returned home or such and as uh, damaged a window pane or something like there's, that. There's plenty of reason for him to shout at you. But he would explain to me, and that's why, that's why I feel that you know those kind of things stayed with me. And I spoke to you about uh, perfect uh, example uh, as as a parent, you know, parenting uh, lessons. Uh, that is what uh, that that is what I would say. I mean, he was. What do you think you learned from your mom? Uh, her grit, and, resilience. And, and she worked in the insurance industry. Yes, right? she did. I mean, very very hard-working woman. My mother would be kind of cooking food for the first half of the day and then she would go and work <laughs> in the office, come back again, spend time with us, simultaneously cook 
and then go to sleep. So, it was hardship all over and, and uh, nothing came easily. Describe what it was like her finally coming out to one of your games. Oh. And the last opportunity to Yes, to she out. only saw me play in my last match. Till then, she would watch me on television but never ever live. And, and why? Uh, they all felt that they would possibly be disturbing me. Uh, Even though there are thousands of people at the Yes, game. because it started from my, from my school days. I kind of hated anyone watching me live. Oh, did you? Yeah, so my brother uh, would hide somewhere behind a tree and watch me the whole day. So my brother has seen every match of my life. So he would watch me, he would prepare his notes. And then we would be discussing that. Also, my brother kind of told all the family members that nobody's going to go and watch him. He has to perform. He has to go out and score runs. And if he is going to be distracted with family members around, that is not going to work. So nobody came and watched me, and that kind of became a habit. So when I was playing the last match, I told our board, BCCI, I told them that uh, these are going to be my last two games, but my only request and my wish is that I play my last game in Mumbai so that my mother could come to the stadium and watch me. So they graciously agreed to host the last game in Mumbai and that's the only time she has seen me play live in 24 years. What was that like? Oh, unbelievable because I was batting. They showed her on that mega screen and she wasn't aware that she was being shown on the mega screen. And the whole stadium is watching her reaction. I was anyways emotional. And in those uh, emotions, you know, you need to stay focused. And that was an important over, last six balls. But what I saw on the mega screen was equally important. How strange was it taking the field for the last time? It hadn't hit me, to be honest. You know, I knew it would, there were a lot of things happening around the last two games that I played. but. Uh, it only hit me once West Indies lost their last wicket. I couldn't control my tears that time. Because that, that is all I wanted to be in life. That is all I wanted to do. Uh, that, that journey was for 24 years, which was a long journey. I, I want to run through some notable moments from your career and just get what comes to mind. Okay. Uh, the first one being the day you wore the India cap for the first time. Unbelievable feeling. There was no plan B in my life. There was just plan A and that was it. I was going to chase that. That turned into reality was a mega moment. The eve of the 1994 match at Eden Park and a teammate gets a neck injury. Your fortunes kind of change. We are, yeah. And uh, Navjot Singh Sidhu had a stiff neck. So he said, I am unfit for this game. I won't be able to play. So immediate discussion was, okay, who's going to open the innings? And I kept thinking that if I could go out and go after the bowlers, play some big shots, I would, I would actually have a huge impact on the result of the game. And I know I can do it because deep inside I was so confident. And I said, please, one chance. I know I can go out and do it. So they agreed. Because I said that I will never come back to you. If I fail, I'll never come back to you again. How important do you think it was for you to step up in that moment? When I started my career, I was batting at six, occasionally at even at seven number. And then I started from 1992 World Cup, I started batting at number four. 
and and uh, till 94 i was batting at number 4 so so i said i know i can do it and it it changed me as a player as well so when you go and you play against the leading fast bowlers in the world up front if i do well then that takes me to the next level as far as a batter is concerned so a very very important step in my life uh, in terms of what comes to mind uh, 2011 world cup we had a camp before the world cup and we discussed a number of things uh, how are we going to meet expectations and along with expectations there'll be pressure so how do we deal with pressure so we came up with this solution that we need to direct the the force of pressure in the direction we want to head towards and that is how we need to think that billion plus people are with us they are not on top of our heads because the pressure was on you unlike anything before but because this was this was your, all your of us, chance, yeah. all of us, yeah. Right. And and I knew that that was my last World Cup. I knew that that was my last World Cup in India. A big moment for for all of us. And you know, what better than lifting the trophy uh, in India itself? The two thousand three World Cup game against Pakistan. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, before that game, I was not able to sleep for for quite a few nights. The morning of the match, as we got close to the stadium, we could see that there were fans on both sides of the road. One side you had Pakistan fans, and one side you had Indian fans with the flags. And you could see, you could feel that atmosphere was different to any other game that we had played. Uh, once we got there, you know, the, the best feeling is when you stand on the ground pre-match and you sing the national anthem. The game started, they batted first, uh, set a big target for us. So Sehwag was telling me that, why don't you play the first ball? And I kept telling him, normally, I mean, uh, slightly superstitious also, I always preferred playing number two position, not number one. So, so Sehwag kept telling me, you play the first ball. This is a big game, you play. And then I walked and I faced the first ball. Uh, so. So that, that was something that I remember going up to the pitch. And after that, you know, we started really doing well. And I could, I could actually see the body language. I could see them, they were demoralized. And there was a panic in the other tent. And I told Sehwag that this is working. You know, and obviously, India-Pakistan match, a big game. And then I, I felt uh, possibly one of the better innings that I've played on that day. The test match following the 2008 Mumbai terrorist attacks, what sticks out to you on that front? I remember we were playing against England in Katak, and, which was a one-day series. And uh, we won that game and we got back to the dressing room and we saw on one of the news channels, there was some gang war in Mumbai and you know, few people are sh shot dead. And then after that, went back to the hotel. Uh, and then uh, that thing got a little bit out of control. And, you know, if we felt that it was going to stop, maybe an hour or two, whatever, police will come in. But it went beyond that. And uh, to the extent where uh, 
England team actually left for Dubai. They they abandoned the the Test series, but they were constantly in touch with uh, our board BCCI. The tour was uh, temporarily called off. Whatever happened in Mumbai was uh, absolutely shocking for us to believe that this is something like this is happening in real life. Uh, so it was traumatic for for everyone. And then uh, England graciously agreed to come back and play in Chennai. What are you thinking when all of that's going on? It was hard to believe that it's actually happening in real life because you see all these things in movies. And then to know that it, yes, it is a terrorist attack was was uh, very difficult to absorb that and to understand that this is happening to our nation and. After that, when we went to Chennai, which was I think around seven days later or so, all the players were, you know, in their own zone, in a, in a different zone. Because when you turn up to play a test match, you are focused on the game, but the the focus wasn't wasn't there enough. The first first almost three and a half days, England dominated that game, and then slowly, slowly we started getting back in the game. And on the last day, we chased three hundred and eighty-six or eighty-seven runs on the last day. So there is a video which 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 will always stay with me till my last breath. That uh, uh, groundswoman was jumping with joy, and we felt that even for a second we were able to give that moment to the entire nation. Then uh, then we've done something good. But uh, the damage which was caused to our nation can can never. I mean, it's irreparable damage yeah, because that scar was uh, a, a big one. In from Indian cricket team, uh, we wanted to dedicate that to the the innocent people who lost lives. And it must have felt so gratifying that in that moment, sport could have. A positive impact on the the nation after what yeah I mean it it was a big blow to our nation and uh, even literally for a brief moment we were able to give them a reason to smile it it made us feel good I was watching your film which I I, I loved and your wife said in in the film that. Uh, cricket was number one and we were number two. Uh, elaborate on that. Well, uh, she, I think to be, to be honest, uh, family, family is important. I mean, family is extremely, extremely important. And uh, cricket, uh, fam cricket happened only because of my family and Anjali's family. So that comes first without any doubt. How would you best explain the role your wife plays in your life? Oh, massive. However much I say here, it's not going to be enough because, uh, you know, I met Anjali in uh, 1990 and, and from there on, you know, it's been a wonderful journey. Like I said, the best partnership of my life. She's a gold medalist doctor. So when we got married and uh, she was still continuing with her profession, and wanting to do that, but the moment we we had Sarah, uh, she on her own said that okay, but you are also traveling. I am going to 
take a back seat here. Somebody needs to be with kids. Sara and Arjun. Anjali initiated that conversation and she said, I am going to spend time with children. It's important that either of us, we are always there for them. And because you are playing for India, you know, you have no choice but to go. But here the ball is in my court and I am going to do this. If, if she hadn't done that, things would have been different. All those things where, you know, you don't have to think about what's happening back home because I knew that she would look after my parents, my, if there was any problem in the family, health issues. She's always there for them. And that continues even today. She was uh, one person where I could, you know, sit with her, have a cup of coffee and tell her everything, whatever. And she didn't understand cricket, but she would sit there and understand what I'm trying to tell her and then calm me down. This had me laughing out loud when I read this in your book that uh, rather than you uh, asking her parents for her hand in marriage, you actually yes. uh, had her do it. On which your is true, feet. which is true. I was, and that was, that was uh, in 1994 uh, when we were in New Zealand, I still remember. And after that uh, Auckland innings, I had another decent innings in Wellington. So I was in good mood. She caught me at the right time, actually. And uh, she said, I think uh, we should get engaged. What do you say? I said, yes, I'm ready. She said, uh, but for that, uh, you need to speak to your family, and I'll speak to my family. I'm sorry. I said, you will have to speak to both the families. Both sides, you are taking charge. I will not go back home, and I'll speak to my parents. No chance. Why? No, I, no, I mean, I, I was just feeling odd to speak. Though they knew Anjali, and she had come home, but uh, but I was feeling odd. So I said, if you manage to do both, then I'm okay. If you say tomorrow, I'll get engaged with you tomorrow. I have no problems. So she was the one who spoke to both families. Your son, what's it been like for you as a, a parent uh, watching him have more success in cricket? Fathers and mothers, they when they watch their children play, they, they get stressed. And uh, that's why I don't go and watch Arjun because, you know, I want him to have that freedom to 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 fall in love with cricket, to f stay focused on what he wants to do. And uh, neither of us forced him to start cricket. Arjun, Arjun was actually into football. And then he played chess. He loved playing chess. And cricket happened later in his life. If you yourself has chosen something in your life, then you will go that extra yard to make sure that I'm going to give my best. Okay, it requires certain sacrifices. I'm prepared to do that. And that is what I wanted Arjun to do. Both, in fact, even Sara. So what my father did to me is exactly what I'm doing with my children. I think it is important for them to have the freedom to be what they want to be in life. He, he should not be living my dream. He should be living and chasing his dream. Anjali is, of course, she said, I cannot take 24 years of further stress, <laughs> is what, what was her statement some time ago. I don't go and watch him play. He has to stay focused on the game. Like, I didn't like anyone watching me. Even if I go and watch his games, I'm hiding somewhere. He doesn't know that I'm there. And nobody knows. Uh, Neither does his, his coach or anyone. Virat Kohli, who we visited with a, a couple of years ago here in Mumbai, uh, your t uh, sessions with him 
in 2014 after his England series entailed what? I hadn't spoken much about that. There were a few areas he wanted to work on and we discussed. He, and he gives you a lot of credit. Yes, he, uh, Virat is a good friend and uh, so pleased to see how his career has shaped, you know, in, in the last decade, how when he started, I was part of the team at that time. And I could see that fire in him. I could see that hunger in him. And from there on, how he's worked hard on his game, how he's changed his lifestyle to achieve what he's been able to achieve has been remarkable. And Virat uh, has, has uh, been tremendous. He's done remarkably well. And uh, there is so much to happen in his career from here on. We all, at some stage in our career, we all need heroes. And then uh, the players uh, who have that impact on their generation motivate so many guys. And then when I was growing up, there was Sunil Gavaskar there. And, and he was that to you, you were that to Virat. How satisfying is it to be able to kind of work with the, the face of the next generation? I think um, I've always believed in, you know, helping players and sharing uh, my knowledge, whatever inputs I have. Uh, always been open to that and uh, Virat had contacted me and he wanted me to spend some time with him, and which, I, which I did. And uh, like I said, that each generation they look up to their hero and then that's how you set your dreams and you set your targets and then you start chasing them. What do you remember from the gift that he gave you? Oh, I was, uh, I still remember just had returned to the dressing room and I couldn't control my tears. Uh, till then I knew, I mean, yes, I'm going to retire. But when that ball was done, I said to myself, okay, that's it. Never ever in your life you will walk out on the field as an international player for India. So I was sitting in one corner alone with a towel on my head and uh, wiping tears and I was really emotional. And at that time Virat had, Virat had come to me and uh, Virat gave me the sacred thread that his father had given him. It was from his late father. Yes, absolutely. He said, uh, uh, I want to give this to you. I think, uh, I've always looked up to you and I want to give this to you. And I kept that for a while and then returned that to him again. I said, this is priceless and this has to stay with you and no one else. This is your property and you should have it till your last breath. And I gave it back to him. So that was, that was an emotional moment. Uh, something, something which will be always uh, there in my memory forever. How would you best explain what cricket means to India? Uh, what soccer means to Brazil? Multiply that by ten times. <laughs> that is what cricket is to to India. Cricket has had success in India, right from uh, the, the 70s and from there on in the 80s we won the World Cup, uh, the World Championships also in Australia. In the 90s, again, there were newer faces. 
uh, 90s also we did well. We were the finalists in 2003 World Cup, won the T20 World Cup in 2007, 2011. So regular intervals we've done well and that kept more eyeballs uh, towards cricket. And the format most commonly played has gone from a game that would take five days to a game that would take a, a few hours. Uh, how has that impacted popularity? Oh, it's extremely popular. There are evening games where, you know, uh, whole family after their working hours can still get together, have a good time, go back home, get back to work the next day. So this format, and it's fast, it's entertainment as well. It's picked up brilliantly. I know there are a lot of traditionalists that yeah. you know were initially uh, having reservations yeah. about that. What was that like for you to go through? It's good to have other formats, but you cannot forget test cricket because that is the ultimate thing in cricket. Uh, that tests your character, your your vision, the way you approach uh, cricket because uh, initially they go very slow and day four and day five they go at a phenomenal pace so those are the matches where we felt that you know sometimes you need to start playing backwards and put yourself in that position how would the game be on day five or day four and you start playing accordingly so it's a little bit like Muhammad Ali's boxing he would take it to the 12th 13th round the opposition is tired. That is what happens on day four and day five, and it can only happen in test cricket. It doesn't happen in other format. Uh, your international debut came before India opened its economy. What was India like before the economy was open? Before the e economy was open, uh, uh, I felt not not many parents thought that you know sports can be your career suddenly you know that changed so now it's actually the other way around parents are pushing them pushing their children to okay go and play some sport hopefully you'll you know have a good career i remember you asking me about whether i'm passionate about cars or not and how did that grow uh, in the 70s there were very very few cars only four cars i remember seeing in the 70s but in the 90s and beyond you know, the number of uh, big cars, uh, big companies which came to India. And then we talk about economy, then we are the we are among the top 10, to be precise, uh, seventh largest economy in the world. So things have changed dramatically in the last 25, 30 years. It had to be really interesting to be at the, the forefront of sport as India opened its economy because, you know, you go from needing a second job to all of a sudden in a short period of time probably having more financial success than you would have ever dreamed. I was not expected to work. The job was primarily because so that I could play cricket for that company. There was only plan A in my life to play cricket for India and everything else was playing a supporting role. It was more about the number of runs that I scored, not uh, how big my bank account was didn't matter and for me when I started at that time in 1989 till the end of my career I did not know how much I was getting paid to play for India because I never looked at it that way 
playing cricket for India gave me a lot of satisfaction, that joy. It was a huge honor. I didn't want anything else in life. So I always, I always say that if the journey starts from your heart, then you can go all the way. But the journey starts from your brain and the calculations come into play. You start looking at your bank balance. Then you're going to find it difficult. And that's why I say more than a profession, it's my passion. It's my life. When we started, I don't think there was enough money in the game. And, and today, there is a reasonable amount of money. So if you, if you just stay focused on the game for 10 years, you need not worry about anything for the rest of your life. So stay focused on what you're good at. As India continues to grow and prosper, what's your hope for the country in the future? We are young, but are we fit? And the honest answer would be, maybe not. We can get fitter, we can get healthier. And that is what uh, uh, one would want to see. So, so from a sports-loving nation, ideally it should be sports-playing nation too. That is the transition I would like to see. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. I also had a chance to have a meal with Sachin as part of the few days in India with him. It was delicious. Admittedly, though, I was somewhat hesitant going into it and might have uh, proactively started antibiotics going into our trip to India because a couple of years prior, when we were there for Virat Kohli, and context here, if you consider Sachin the Michael Jordan of cricket, then Virat is the LeBron of cricket. And when I got back from India on the Kohli taping, I had a parasite and ended up losing 11 or 12 pounds in two days. So I was on high alert going into the Sachin taping and super careful about what I ate. Uh, nonetheless, had no problems. The food was amazing and felt really grateful to have had the opportunity to share a couple meals with him. Thanks for listening to my chat with Sachin. To watch clips of our week-long stay in Mumbai, including a lunch with a spicy surprise, go to youtube.com slash Graham Bensinger. Thanks again for listening.